Welcome everybody to Forgotten Heroes. My name is Chris. I'm here with my good friend Zach. Zach, how are you feeling today? You feeling you feeling high tier? You feeling godly, my friend? Hi, you and your shoehorns in this. Uh, that's why I leave them to you. Whenever you start, whenever you start, then you ask me how I'm doing. I'm just like, let me wait. Let me get him. Let me let me let him get his joke out, and then we'll go. <laughs> wait for the pun. Wait for wait it. for the bad pun, and then we go. <laughs> It'd just be called the Shoehorn Podcast, aka the Shoehorn Podcast. No, it's at this point I'm gonna start putting your your name in the description as Chris the Shoehorn. Chris the Shoehorn. Chris the Mighty Shoehorn. The League of Regrettable Superheroes with Chris the Mighty Shoehorn. Oh God. Yeah. So, to based on the title of this episode and Chris's Shoehorn, uh, I don't even know what to call it. The Shoehorn pun, I guess. Oh, we'll talk about the Eternals because of their upcoming movie. And the possible importance that they might uh, play in the f- the future of the MCU, which me personally, I would like to call it the MCM, but I'm pretty sure there's something out there that has copyrights to using that uh, an acronym, Probably. but that's okay. Probably. Which honestly, at this point, we've been calling it the MCU. Call- changing the name would confuse everybody. That's true. Yeah, we would we would start to get into interesting comic book territory there. But no, it makes sense to talk about the Eternals. A, 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 Oh, excuse me, especially after the multiverse has kind of opened up with, you know, the end of Loki, as well as with the current Spider-Man trailer that dropped a couple of days ago, which we mm-hmm. talked about in a mini-sode that we're going to be releasing. Um, but yeah, it makes sense. Also, it's like the Eternals aren't very well known to a lot of people, I find. you have They to be are like... next. I would say they're they're almost obscure. Yeah. If they did not have their, like, to my knowledge three different i don't even know if i want to say reboots but you know they've appeared in different eras of comic books yeah yeah they're kind of they're one of the staples for those of you who are familiar with them the eternals have been around for a while some of the recommendations you're going to see we're going to be talking about like captain america volume one like avengers volume one like they've been around for quite a bit of time and that sort of like comes with the territory and comes with the name but we figured it made sense to sort of uh, debut them a little bit here on the podcast after the drop of the um, the trailer. And while you can look up plenty of this information, it, you know we wanted to give you a nice little rundown for each of the uh, nine-ish characters that usually inhabit the team itself, as well as introduce um, one of the important Celestials that we know for sure we're going to be seeing in the movie. Um, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Um, in this episode, we're not going crazy. We're not talking multiverse. We're not doing anything nuts like that. We're just giving you a nice little rundown of the Eternals. This is going to be kind of one of our team episodes. Right. Um, so, except, on, so this yeah. is we're talking about the there because there are different versions of them because mm-hmm. it's the of the multiverse. And there's I think there's one story that that universe's explanation for the Eternals kind of got carried over into the main Marvel universe. But like I said, we're not going to talk about that one really. We're only going to talk about all the Eternals that are going to be in the movie. And the one celestial that we know of that's going to be in the movie, and that with that are also in Marvel 616, the main Marvel universe for the comics. And I think, actually, to my knowledge, this is go, it's going off from what I remember. We're talking, everybody we're talking about except for two people are Eternals. I might be thinking, I might be. We are talking about the one big celestial that showed up in the trailer. Yeah, um, we'll get to him at the end. But one of the Eternals. I think they're either making him an Eternal or they're going to explain who he really is. Because in the comics, I know he was an enemy of of the Eternals. Mm-hmm. 
he might he might be in Eternal, but that's that's different. So we're gonna talk about them because there's a lot of Eternals, and we're not yeah. really talking about we're not really talking about you know Space Grimace, True. aka Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> while he qualifies as one, he's he's really his own beast. True. But, and he does show up in a couple of the backstories here, the characters. Right. But the Eternal is also like a big enough team that can't be explained simply due to their kind of like individualistic and like consistent nature that we kind of made the creative decision to not explain them throughout the multiverse. If we get like a far cry from you guys who are like, we want to hear about the Eternals from the multiverse, then we'll do an episode about it because they do have interesting multiverse offshoots. But for now, we just kind of wanted to talk about what we see in the trailer um, and what we know for sure for like we're going to get for certain um, Eternals, you know, who's listed on the IMDb, who we know is named, who we know we're going to see in the movie, things yep. of that nature. And we're not so. and we roughly either before again, I don't know what future us is going to do before or after this episode releases or at the same time, we'll probably be a mini on the Eternals trailer itself, because I mean, we have two, but I think we're really going to talk about the one that really delved a bit deeper into the story and actually, you know, the actual trailer, not the teaser trailer that just showed them. Um, before we get into this, what have you been reading, Chris? Oh yeah, let's start off. Let's 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 do this correctly and talk about what we've been reading at the beginning of the episode. Why don't we? So I have been reading. I started the first issue of Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane. It's the Thierry Unzanetta and Rosenberg run. Um, highly, highly enjoying it so far. Like I said, I've only gotten through the first issue. I gotta, I gotta search for the next few. I'm gonna check my local comic book store to look for that. And after going through the Silk episode, um, well, excuse me, not going through the Silk episode, but going through Spider-Man episode, um, I really wanted to read a little bit more Spider-Man stuff. I realized that's kind of been kind of been lacking for my life lately. So I went and I found the Life and Times of Cindy Moon. That's Thompson, Lee, Martello, and Ford's run for Silk. Um, and just reread through it. You know, I read through it in single issue, but I found a anthology that's not quite hardcover, but like the laminate cover that's like really, really nice. And it's got some really great art to it. And I was just very happy to find it. And I just, I just treated myself a little bit. You know, it's nice every now and then when you find a, a bundle of issues thrown together in an anthology and you get to read a fan favorite of yours. Silk has always been kind of very near and dear to my heart. So it was nice to read about her and sort of jump into Ravencroft, which I'm like still trying to learn more about. I'm familiar with it, but you know, there's always that, that, that little piece of the expanded universe that sometimes you don't get to. And for me, that's Ravencroft. So it's nice to delve into something new. So what about you, Zach? Honestly, there's, I haven't really ventured out into the, you know, the comic book stores and whatnot haven't found any. And at this point in my life, I would like to, the one, the things that I want to read that are single issues, I'm just going to wait for the graphic mm-hmm. novels. Uh, save really saves money in the end, you know, and, and there's nothing I'm really rushing to get at the stores. So uh, I've still been reading the Pokemon Adventures manga because th- these collector's editions are, are big. You know, and I don't, and this is not something I just want to r- rush through and then reread later. Like I want, like I'm going, I'm taking my time and reading it. I've also been reading a recommendation from Sarah, the Song of Achilles. Book. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been reading that, and I have been reading the DC Encyclopedia because that's just who I am. You know, I'm going through. To read up on anybody new, see if they change reading on anybody that's thing they added or changed or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because they obviously there's been a lot between the last version I had and then this one, and that's really been it. Um, especially with with school starting to get back into session, I'm I don't know how often I'll be able to read this kind of stuff, but uh, hoping I can keep doing that. And then I'm I'm thinking now I might either I think I have an Eternals volume. If not, I'll try to find one. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I don't I don't have any Eternals volume. I know of them. I'm familiar with them. I've had friends who have like lent me issues that they've had, but um I don't I don't actually own any of them. So. Well, that's because and so yeah, the Eternals again are really they're not. How do I explain it? They're well. They're, first off, they're not a tier superheroes that everybody freaking knows of. First true, off. true. But then again, to, if you think about it, back before the movies even started neither was iron man iron man was like a b-lister that's um, true the guardians were completely different than than what they are now and mm-hmm. you know nobody really knew who they were mm-hmm. so i'm thinking with the movie the eternals it'll they'll turn around i, I know they're having they're releasing a that's usually what marvel tries to do now i think as uh, they release try to make comic lines or restart start up again a series on whoever's going to be in the movies or in the shows. Um, I mean, other than Loki, but Loki was still a pretty prominent character in the Thor stuff. But it's the same thing with WandaVision. They didn't really make a solo run for them, but they released like collections and stuff. So, which makes sense. That's what they would do. But yeah. um, so like the Eternals, before I really, we even get into the people, the individuals who the what the fuck are the eternals and what are these things they're fighting in the movie so okay <laughs> there you go try yeah. to try to simplify this as best we can the celestials which we've seen in the trailer and we've seen in the guardians uh volume one movie that they would go from planet to planet basically running experiments on the indigenous creatures on those planets usually the one that's like the highest with the highest intelligence on that planet for us it was you know early humans which i would say border borderline cavemen but you know Mm. we know those are two different species but the celestials came took a bunch of them right experimented on them and they did it three parts they did uh, all this with mutations they did experimenting on them to have them have rapid mutations like almost random stuff with every every generation right um the the control group was basically they had they left behind they had some humans but they left in their dna uh for possible mutations later the hence the x-men you know that's where you get the x gene in marvel comics and then the eternals it was like mutated them to basically perfection Mm -hmm. quote quote unquote perfection because again it that's suggest you know that's you know one's definition of perfection is different than somebody else's but the eternals and the deviants um basically were at war for a long time they like it, it was if you can think about it in that time the deviants and the eternals were the most intelligent things on the planet and humans were just in the middle deviants ruled over the humans and the eternals wanted to free the humanity from the deviants and then there's a couple of the the Eternals left, and they go and they leave on they live on Titan, Thanos's home planet, which I'm pretty sure is Jupiter's moon. And then the Deviants were still on Earth. The Deviants got wiped, supposedly wiped away when the Celestials showed up again to check on their experiment, and the Deviants tried to attack them. And they're like, "Oh, really? Okay, you're gonna fight us? Boom! Like eradicated most of them. And some Eternals stayed on Earth. 
Um, most of them did leave. And then, so like, what? But why? What was the purpose, you know, of a celestial doing this to to Earth specifically? This is the thing that was taken from a dip from like from a an alternate universe that then became basically canon for the main Marvel universe in the comics. Celestials and the Deviants. Celestials primarily, no, humanity was the protector of the Earth, basically, because in the Earth and any life-sustaining planet could be a, would be a celestial egg, for lack of a better term, right? And they were supposed to be the protector of it, so when the egg was ready to hatch, the celestial would be born. Hence, why you have Galactus. He goes around eating uh, life, life-sustaining planets to keep the celestials in check, otherwise they would be running rampant all over the universe. That's really in the gist of it what the purpose of all these things were. The Deviants were Experiment A, Eternals were Experiment B, Humans were the control group, and everybody had their purpose. You know, Celestia, the Eternals were supposed to guard over humanity and also protect the planet for the Celestials. And the big reason why the big uh, Celestial in the trailer, his purpose is to, we're going to get into it more, but basically be like, is, should this planet be wiped clean and start over yeah yeah guess or no it was this experiment a success or was it a failure yeah and that's re- that's really it they're just ju- to me when i explain it they're space gods that are freaking you know science nerds yeah but yeah that's a great way to explain it yeah and that's really well said that's a great sort of way so basically the eternals were made thousands of years ago along with the deviants from the celestials that's sort of like the big from takeaway early proto yeah early proto humans early 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 humans yep and then and we're not we're not going to get it well, what about where were the humans factor in this? That is a completely separate episode. We're not talking about them. They're their yeah, own thing. No. That's the thing. With these Eternals and with the Celestials, we get into a lot of space magic, science-y, and also, like, weirdly enough, some mythology as well, which is, like, uh, um, Marvel is known to take a lot of its roots from. So there's of... involved with it. You know, the Eternals have been yes. mistaken for a lot of heroes throughout mythology. So it's, it's sort yes. of like... Yeah, some they, some have roots taken from it. Some are just sort of like a nice little copycat and piece of it. Um, but, or they are them. Or they are them, straight up. Yeah. Right. Um, so like, you see lots of involvement with Thor um, and things mm-hmm. like that with some of these Eternals. So it's there's a lot of subject matter that goes behind them. Hence why we're just talking about the basic team. We're going to give you guys a quick rundown of like what they did. Um, and explain them as a character. That way, you know what's going on. And I think yep. we'll throw we'll throw the actor or actress's name with them, who's playing who in the trailer, um, just so you guys know what to look out for. Yeah. So, also, the now that you mentioned it, Chris, you know, if you think about it, they're space gods. So why, when they want to be worshipped, they don't want to be wor- they didn't want to be worshipped by humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Eternals really weren't supposed aren't supposed to become deities for these people. But if you think about it, you're right. Like Thor and those kind of deities ex- existed so how do you think how did they feel about it yeah they, the celestials were like stu- knock it off odin yeah. zeus leave humanity alone enough yeah you you're you're in you're you're skewing our experiment mm-hmm. and that hence that's why where you get the destroyer armor from which is really interesting because they're like oh this thing will beat it no <laughs> the celestials are like no get work. out of here yeah doesn't work doesn't work so to get without but, further ado why don't we get into the team yeah, let's do it. So let's start off with kind of, I mean, not necessarily a leader, but if you're going to talk about the Eternals, she is probably going to be the most well-known. I am, of course, talking about Thena, who's going to be portrayed by Angelina Jolie in the movie. Um, and to start off, just each Eternal has like 
some sort of base power that they all have, but they all have their own individuality as well. So obviously you get the superhuman speed, strength, stamina, um, as well as sort of a molecular awareness of their own bodies based on just like sort of their makeup and everything like that. Athena has all of this, but she also has heat, light, force, and weapon manifestation, as well as teleportation, um, an accelerated healing factor, telepathy, and telekinesis. So you're going to hear a lot of those within these Eternals. A lot of them have telepathy a lot, and telekinesis, teleportation, right? But Thena's big thing is the weapon manifestation, right? Um, so once again, born a million years ago from the Celestials and are tasked with looking after the human race, quote-unquote, Thena herself has an on-again and off-again relationship with two deviants, um, one of them named Crow, who we're going to see in the movie, and the other one named Zygo, I think I'm saying that correctly, and she ended up killing Zygo after discovering that he was replacing his organs with those from innocent people, and he was studying the Eternals to prolong his own life. Yeah, so. that's the thing of, like, the Eternals are basically, they are, while they are immortal, if you were to go pick up, like, if you were going to start reading the new the newest um series of eternals the first thing you're going to notice is like one of the characters comes back to like they are in they are immortal mm -hmm. they're not invulnerable right? exactly they can yeah. die but they will come back that's yeah. that's the thing with the eternals deviants a lot they die a lot sooner than the eternals yeah they more often not than have not the technology and they had the rapid mutations which could just kill them yeah, yeah, and so the deviants that we're talking about here are kind of the creatures that you've seen in the trailer, if you've seen that. So deviants in the comic look a lot different, but more often than not, that's kind of what we're looking at. So, um, yeah, that's a very important point. They're not invulnerable. Um, it also, we, we can get into the science of it and say that it has to do with, like, concentration and the molecular sort of, like, matter of their body and stuff like that, but you just need to know that they can be killed, but more often than not, they're reborn. They can't ever, like, actually die, right? Um, and so, yeah, after discovering Zygo was doing that, Athena and Crow actually uh, end up having children who are given to an infertile human woman who raised them as her own. Um, soon after that, Crow attacks his armies or brings his armies to attack New York. And then Athena ends up revealing the Eternals to the world after a truce was called because she kind of had to based on their involvement. Um, she also mothered a son named Joey. Um, and that was after being affected by another one of the Eternals called Sprite. Um, we're going to talk about them a little bit later in the episode. Um, they have reality sort of, well, not reality warping powers. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Like I said, we'll get into it, but essentially caused like a sort of amnesia base for most of the Eternals. And during that amnesia base, Thena was a mother to a human son named Joey um, when she forgot that she was an Eternal. Um, right, and then we skip forward a little bit. She ends up getting through this identity crisis, and we have the arrival of the Dark Celestials. The Eternals are all made aware of their true nature, which is to cultivate humankind, not to quote-unquote protect them like we thought. And that drives most of them mad, including Thena, and they turn against each other. Some of them commit suicide, but they all kill each other um, in one form or another. And after that mass suicidal slash murder, they're all reborn, like I said. And the Mad Titan, known as Thanos, was also reborn and starts murdering Eternals, um, which Thena was blamed for. But eventually she proves her innocence and fights alongside the Eternals against him. And it turns out that one of their very own was actually the whole reason for that big mess. And we'll get into that once again, because 
there's a lot of inner turmoil within the Eternals, as you're going to notice from when we talk about this. You know, if, you, if you've got as much time as they do, it's bound that crazy stuff like this is going to happen. Um, and we do have some Thanos involvement in this as well. Um, but that's sort of a nice little rundown of Thena. She's, she's a very sort of warrior princess type. You could say leader. It could be argued that she's a leader. But she's, you know, at the end of the game, she's part of the team. And her big thing is weapon manifestation. So if you're going to boil her down, that's what you're looking for, right? And so that's a really quick rundown, I know, because we have probably about eight more characters to get through with this team. Um, so I think without further ado, I'm going to defer it to you there, Zach, who's going to talk about who Richard Madden is portraying in the upcoming Eternals movie. I'm very glad you just said the actors' names because I don't even know who's playing the other than I got Angelina Jolie, and that's that was it. <laughs> Everybody yeah. else, I have no no clue who they are. She's the she's the big uh she's the big the big recognition name there for exactly the movie. The uh, what was his name again, Chris? Richard Madden. He's also in Game of Thrones. If you that's are, right, I don't know him. That there you go. Yeah. Oh, I don't shame know on him. you, Zach. <laughs> shame on you. I can't believe we're gonna talk about this on the podcast. Ooh, we're gonna have words later. Anyways, I'll let you get into his character, but I'm mad at yeah. you. All right. So he's portraying Icarus. It's it's weird. I think most people would would see. Like, visually, you can see it in, in your head how to spell Icarus. It's not that. I-K-A-R-I-S. Yeah. All right? So his powers include flight, psionics, telepathy, telekinesis, cosmic energy manipulation, mostly with laser eyes. Yes, I get the joke. I just, in a way, could just describe Superman. Listen, Marvel has a lot of Superman analogs, and DC has a lot of Marvel character analogs. It's totally fine. Yeah. Some literal, it's, some just... It's bound to happen. You know, DC, DC has a, a Spider-Man uh, knockoff called Sideways. You know, it's just like, it's around. They bite off each other, but they do it in their own weird sort of lovely way. Basically in a way that won't get them sued. Yeah. Which, which is fine. Um, <laughs> so Icarus, know, Icarus guarded what was left of humanity to a mountaintop after... A great flood during the Great Cataclysm. May or may not be the biblical flood. Who knows? Marvel plays fast and loose with mythology sometimes. Yeah, right? heavily alluded to, but not really confirmed. Exactly. Icarus also defended Greece from deviants underneath the Aegean Sea in a labyrinth. And he was mar- he was married and had a son who he named uh who who he also named Icarus, so he just named him Junior. He adopted his name after his untimely death. Oh, I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. Before he even went by Icarus. He had a son, mm-hmm. and then he took his he took his son's name when when his son died. Okay, I, b- I believe his name before that it's it's like weird. Doesn't even have like, a name. Yeah, no, it was like something. He was son of Vulcan or something like that. I believe it, it was yeah. like it was very it, Greek. It was very Greek, very Greek, very ancient. I would say ancient time because a lot of because if you think about like Thor Odinson, yeah, son of Odin is his last name. That's why whenever. In the Mar- MCU, if you ever see him talking to Phil Coulson, that's why he calls him Son of Cole, because to him, that's what that means. Yeah. So. Which is really funny. Right. Well, I mean, Lo- Loki Laufison. Yeah. Son of Laufey. So Icarus's father was killed uh, battling a mutated earthworm. A really crappy way to go. Yeah. Icarus was an adopted by, by Vulcan, like you said, who helped him train his senses. So he may eventually find the beacon left behind by the celestials in an inkened chamber of the gods. That was a lot of words I just said, and mm-hmm. I could not blame most of you for going, what the fuck? What? 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 Uh, listen, Icarus, Icarus, I'd say, is the good boy of the celestial group. And even then, I think after a while, the 
when you're reading like an Eternals, I just when you're reading like an Eternals uh, book, they kind of narrowed, they kind of shortened the list of Eternals that'll make an appearance. Yeah. Because if you think about it, that's again, it's a whole race of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's a confirmed roster of like 90 Eternals, I think canonically. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of them, and some of them I can see they they only made an appearance in like one issue and then never showed up again or whatever. Make an example that they went off to somewhere else because they're one, they're not the only Eternals in the universe. Mm-hmm. Two, you know, even the ones from Earth left to live in space somewhere else. So you know, Icarus worked closely with a lot of heroes. Use an example, Black Bolt, in hiding Adelan which is the home of the Inhumans on Earth. And he helped them, like, long before. Like, at that point, when when the Fantastic Four first meet the the Inhumans, it's like, we, this city's been here for a long time. It's like, well, Icarus helped them get there. Yeah. he's He's been a lot, a lot of... He's been really important. I think I think I saw a picture. Icarus was also in like World War One in in his bright colored uniform, which is really funny to me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's all sorts of different iterations of him across time. That's just like I mean, for the it it, it provides a lot of opportunities for a creator when you create a character like this, and so you get cool stuff like that out of it, which is just like all the more fun for the readers. Yeah, and then which which is. I really, which I really like. I like to be like, okay, what have you? Because they've existed for all this time, so there's, you know, what have you been doing? The movie says they've been doing one thing. The comics obviously do whatever the heck they want, really. Yeah, it's it's much more fast and loose, as you say. So a really important um, thing with Icarus is that with you mentioned Sprite's reality warping, long and short of it, Sprite had a plan, may or may not have gone awry, and Icarus was believed to be human. And when he was captured by Deviants, he was killed, and then he reappeared in Olympia, which is where the Eternals who still live on Earth, that's where they where they live. He got he regenerated, had his memory returned, and he went to round up the rest of the Eternals, which to me, if you think about it, I don't know who did, I don't really know who did it first, but that's reminding me of after Thor, after Rune King Thor and his story, how um Ooh, yeah. I'm making a reference to that because a lot of people connect that story with when Thor goes to find the other Asgardians after Ragnarok mm. um, to basically prov- try to prevent it. And then he they have Asgard in like Oklahoma or something. Yeah, so, I re- oh, I'm wondering who did that first. I kind of want to check that out after we finish up here. I'm yeah, look that I don't up. Know. That's interesting. But that that's what that reminds me of, except Sprite did it on a more reality Spike. level instead of right instead of thor basically restarting it i don't yeah. really know how else to explain that that's well, again that's, also i think, a I think you got that pretty warping. well yeah. yeah i mean once again space and time and reality and stuff it, it gets very muddy very very quickly so <laughs> boil it down as best we can oh yeah and then which and we, that's what we're here for icarus <laughs> is also part of a team that tracked down uh fastos who is another eternal we're going to talk about the murder of one of their own, of the fellow Eternals, uh, Zurus. Zuras? Zuras, Zuras. It's one of those. You know, yeah. Rachel Ghoul, Razel Ghoul. There you go. And, but this, when I think of the Eternals, I always think primarily of Icarus because he is the main Eternal that I, I, you, that Marvel tends to um, show us. Even then, yeah. before the current run of the Eternals, um, they showed up briefly in i think it was avengers fantastic four empire mm-hmm. i think it was the little empire event 
And they right. only they only showed up just for Iron Man and Thor to to find them to see that they were all murdered, whether they murdered the, each other or not, because they went crazy from learning some truth or something. Mm-hmm. They that was it, and then and that's where the current run starts. It starts from all right after that, yeah. they come back, which um, people could argue is not true immortality. I think it is. I would say for them, their longevity is like from from rebirth to death. If they did not get killed by an outside force, they could probably live for centuries. Yeah. If not millennia. But because of their war against the Deviants, that they tend to die, but then they come back. So, you know, no one's really worried about that. If you think about it, it's like, uh, all right, I mean, I'll be back, but damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we sort of talk more about the Eternals here, we're going to reveal more of the story of how they're reborn and what's required for that. Because it's not just like, oh, yeah, it's a snap of the finger. Boom, you're back. Like, well, click your heels together. Welcome back. You're not a corpse anymore. It's no, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And we'll, like I said, we'll get more into that as we reveal more characters. But yeah, no, Icarus is kind of, I, I agree with you there, Zach. It's like Thena is very much like the warrior princess. And it seems like she's going to have a very big spot in the movie too, which is why I think they might be doing a little bit more of a, a leader role for her. They could be. Um, but Icarus is definitely the golden boy. There's no argument there. Um, so he's, he's, he's what we would call a major character. He's, he's very important. I'd say, I mean, all the Eternals are important for their story, but he's usually the one that I think of first. I don't really think of all these other people. And this person, based on just her names, the way you pronounce her name alone, pretty sure she's one of those that you spoke about that uh, showed up in mythology of Earth in the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is also, once again, if you watch Game of Thrones, which I know you didn't, Zach, this name is going to sound familiar, but I am talking about Cersei, who is Cersei. going to be Cersei, Cersei, who's going to be um, portrayed by Gemma Chan in the movie. Um, big shout out to Gemma Chan. Love her. She's a great actress. One of my personal favorites. Love that she's in this movie. But Cersei, 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 however you want to say it. I'm going to say Cersei just because it's spelled S-E-R-S-E-I. So it's got that eh on the end of it. But yeah, say fine. however you want. You know, it's dark side, dark seed. Ugh, here we go. You well, know, that it's, it's one, that whole well, thing. Not having that argument because. That's true. We're like, not. That, that, there is no, there's no two pronunciations. It's Raish or Raz. That's, yeah, that's the key one. Exactly. There you go. But um, Cersei's powers include telepathy. She has a healing factor. Uh, once again, that molecular control over her whole body that I mentioned. And she's more of a illusion caster, too. So she's powerful in illusions, matter transmutation, flight, and image projection. So um, we've talked about transmutation before, mainly with Loki. So she's very much kind of like a Loki-type character within the team. And so matter transmutation is sort of like taking an object that you can think of and bringing it to where you are at that current point in time. So if you're like stuck out in the middle of nowhere and you need some water. She's like, Oh, I really need some water. And boom. Next thing you know, you got a nice little bottle of Poland spring with you. So that's kind of what Cersei is all about. So she has been around quite a bit. She is very, I think she, it's fair to say that she is up there. If not the most worldly type of eternal, as far as evolving herself within human affairs, Um, So she's encountered the Greek hero Odysseus during his 10-year journey back home. She's fallen in love with him, in addition to imprisoning the evil that's come from Pandora's box. She's been in France during the French Revolution. She's one of the founding members of the Illuminati and has been present in just about every notable historical event in history that I've mentioned. 
like more so than what I've mentioned. She was also involved, I believe, in like something to do with the Eiffel Tower. Um, I think she was involved with like, quote unquote, the Kennedys at one point. Like she's been everywhere. She's very, very worldly, very, very traveled for an Eternal. She was also captured by Crow's forces and released after the truce that I mentioned with Thena. And she joined the Avengers in a place of one of her fellow Eternals, Gilgamesh, who we're going to talk about, who's one of my favorites. Um, he was wounded um, and she was joined through the invitation from Captain America. And through her time with the Avengers um, and linking minds with a team called the Brethren, Cersei became much more aggressive. And her fellow Eternals feared that she was infected with something called, I hope I'm saying this right, Mad Wiry. So it's spelled M-A-H-D-W-Y apostrophe R-Y. So that's a fancy word for a mental breakdown caused by the Eternals' long lifespans, right? And usually when somebody comes down with that, the Eternals, it's an anonymous vote. You have to kill whoever comes down with that. But instead of killing her, they place her in a soul bond with the Black Knight, who she was in love with. And it was hoped that she, he could provide some sort of calm to her mind um, and bring her down from that aggressive state so that they wouldn't have to kill her. Um, and the Black Knight, um, we can talk about him very, very briefly at the end of the episode. That's played by Kit Harrington in the movie. He's a little bit of an interesting character. But once again, don't want to get too ahead of myself. So after Cersei rediscovers her powers due to Sprite's lovely little tomfoolery shenanigans with reality. Um, It took some time. She ended up rejoining Eternal's business once again. She kind of comes back, realizes who she is, and is a little hesitant at first to come back to the team. Um, She also, at this time, starts dating another Eternal, another part of the team, Makari, who we're going to talk about, and found out that she was the link to Dreaming Celeste. He was, excuse me, he was the link to... um, the Dreaming Celestial. So that is kind of the, if you're talking about Celestials, we won't go too deep into the Dreaming Celestials. I don't think we're going to see him in the movie. He'll probably be mentioned, or it will probably be mentioned. I don't know if it has a gender, but one of the most, if not the most powerful Celestial and sort of like a herald for hosts on Earth um, as far as Celestial powers. That's basically what you need to know. Um, And so since Makari ends up sort of being um, the link to that Celestial, he needs to be protected due to the fact that there's an invasion coming to the Earth known as the Horde. Makari ends up getting killed, but Cersei absolutely pushes her powers to the limit and makes herself a direct copy of Makari, even so much to the point that she's able to transfer pieces of his old consciousness to hers to keep the connection strong, which ultimately keeps the Dreaming Celestial satisfied and saves the earth. So yeah, she Dreaming celestial is yeah. It's one it's again it's one of those like there are different celestials do different things. But that one is that one basically if it fully woke up would have just destroyed earth yeah. completely. Yeah. Big boy. Big big scary boy celestial. Yeah. <laughs> sort of good way to talk about it and boil it down. But yeah, so Cersei really pulls out all the stops and saves everybody. Um, And after the Eternals' rebirth, after learning what their true purpose is to quell humanity, as we sort of mentioned in that sort of mass suicide slash murder, Cersei ends up helping heal Icarus after his battle with Thanos when it's revealed that he was the one. Thanos rigged the resurrection machines that were meant for the Eternals so that he could come back in the rebirth as well. So now we get another little piece there as well. So we know that Thanos is now involved with this and that there is such thing as a resurrection machine meant for the Eternals. It's specifically for their makeup, for their molecular makeup. It helps bring them back to life after they quote unquote die, right? Invulnerable, uh, but also immortal. Or excuse me, not invulnerable, but immortal, right? We know that Thanos has sort of like tampered with it a little bit. So there you go. You get another little piece to this sort of like interesting overarching narrative. 
Um, so I really, really do want them to just. I really want them to. It's funny because, and we're gonna get more into this in the trailer, mm-hmm. but in the trailer when the you know I think in the, the recent trailer, and we're not talking about the Black Knight or Kit Harrington. Is that his name? Yeah. Also from Game of Thrones. Come on, Zach. That's the only guy that I know. But that like his character in the trailer asks one of the the Eternals, why weren't why didn't you get involved with like New York or with Thanos or whatever? And like we're we're told not to get involved in human affairs. Which to me, the the invasion of New York, okay, I could see that being technically a human affair. Because yeah. if you think about it, yeah, I mean, first contact with true, first real public contact with aliens. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a human thing. Thanos was not a human threat. Thanos was a, especially the Gauntlet was a was a universal threat. Oh yeah. Um, so to me, them not getting involved was just stupid. Yeah. But I also hope that it it, it you know they could give an explanation of well why didn't you get involved because we weren't around at that time because they were like I've said they can regenerate in Olympia they were too busy doing that so by the time they woke up it was like ah oh, crap. Yeah, that could be. A That's good, just yeah. me. I have no idea. Good way to but, explain it. Yeah, no. Thanos is usually a big threat to them all the time because he is one. Yeah. I don't know if the if the movies are making him into one, but he is. No, that's fair. I didn't mean to cut you off there with Cer- with uh, Cersei. No, I was just gonna say that she's cool. She's kind of an interesting little caster. Um, she's she's again one of the more she's talked about much more within the comics. Um, we'll see if she sort of fills that role within the movie or not. Um, but yeah, she's definitely got a little bit more meat behind her character so that describes her pretty well and i think that puts us in a really good spot to move into the next one who is actually portrayed by selma hayek in the movie of course i'm talking about ajak now i'm sorry because i don't this is my thing and this is me i can't with certain actors especially if you haven't had a big role in to my in my knowledge I haven't seen all your stuff. I don't know who you are. Like I don't know the, a lot of these actors outside of the role they'll play. Remind me who the who this uh act, this who's portraying Ajax again? Oh boy, Salma Hayek has been in a lot of stuff. Um, to my knowledge, I don't can't think of a lot of recommendations off my head. Some of her more recent. I mean, she was in that Grown Ups movie a while ago. She was in From Dawn to Dusk. Oh, um, okay, so she was, yeah, I knew. She, see, I knew who this I. I knew who this was because I remember I looked this up. Um, Excuse me. Yeah. So Ajax in the comics is male, right? Yeah. In we the got... movie, we're gonna have it be a change Ajax Ajax into a uh, female. Which I mean, listen, I'm not truly a big comic book purist. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want. Who's to say? Who's to say you can't in the comic? You not you don't have a reason why Ajax just switched genders or whatever. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is also not the first uh, gender swapped Eternal that we're gonna talk about. This isn't the first like gender swapped or gender fluid whatever character Loki. That's true. Perfect example. Oh yeah, Loki for sure. Loki was like the first one if you really want to bring up that argument. But yeah, no. Also like doesn't matter. They're immortal. It, it would make sense that they would take on more than one form. Like who gives a shit? You're absolutely yeah. right. Exactly. So Ajax. Uh, the power, their powers include molecular manipulation, flight, energy manipulations with primarily energy blasts and skilled to hand to hand in combat. And I'm pretty. And to me, if you're skilled, to, if you're an eternal and you've lived for millennia and you're skilled to hand to hand combat, pretty sure anybody who says they're a master of that clearly don't know Jack. Because to me, you invented it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a very good point to make. Yeah, you say skilled, quote unquote, but it's really just like master. 
like that's pretty much it. Like you can't get any better. Yeah. So Ajax actually fought in the Trojan War. It's probably why the Trojans believed the gods were with them because. Mm-hmm. And if you know you, if you know your Greek mythology, I don't mean to cut you off there, but Ajax was a big player in the Trojan War, and Ajax was mistaken for him. And it's speculated that the legend was sort of come from Ajax, quote unquote, in this canon. Yeah. I say a lot of these celestials are mistaken for deities. They don't oh. go around. They don't go around saying they are. It's kind of more like in that moment. Like th- this is now. Now that we're talking about it, this is my example. I would say Thena was mistaken a lot for Athena. Mm-hmm. First off, the name is really close. But also, if she showed up to like I don't know, I can't. I, Odysseus, somebody in the whoever's the you know, Odysseus is the main character of the. The Odyssey, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, he is from the Odyssey. Yep, you got that right. So, yeah, so if you know Athena gave Odysseus help for Odysseus, his his simple mind would go, "This is the goddess Athena." Really, it's just Athena from the Celestials being kind. Not gonna, she's not gonna roll up into Greece like I am the goddess Athena. She's like, no, she yeah. came, she helped, she got mistaken for a deity, whatever, leave. Mm-hmm. So Ajax fought in the Trojan War. Also fought Crow's forces about 2,500 years ago. And also served as a liaison for Celestials on Earth. So between humanity and the Celestials. I mean, you always got to have a liaison if you're another species and you're also living on Earth. Yeah. Ajax actually battled Zeus, which is hilarious to me to think about. And befriended Dr. Daniel Damien, who was driven mad and transformed Ajax into a living weapon. who was meant to kill Throw and Thena's twin children. And, you know, along the way, he killed uh, other unrelated twins. And when he was uh, restored back to his original form, he was so grief-stricken that he disintegrated himself in Dr. Damien. F- first off, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. So that, that, that's I, a really boiled-down sort of yeah, that's, arc. Yeah, so, I mean, I get that. He, 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 was, he was turned to kill Thena's children, but since... Fina wasn't raising the kids. He just, for a while, just kept killing a bunch of other, any twins he saw of the same age that, whatever. Yeah, no, it was essentially, he was put into a monstrous form that essentially nobody had any control over. And was, you know, it was like within his programming that, oh, I need to kill twins. So he basically just like whoever he came across, that's what he did. Yeah. And then, you know, after Sprite's plan, we keep talking about Sprite. We will talk about Sprite's, in my opinion, stupid plan. Yeah, no, I'm fully agreed with you on there. Yeah, Ajax actually began to hate another celestial, another eternal, Makari, probably pronouncing that wrong, but that's okay, due to the fact that he was chosen to be the speaker for the Dreaming Celestial, which, again, I mentioned would have just wiped away the planet mm-hmm. if it fully woke up. And Ajax had previously had filled that role, you know, because this is a Celestial that was just sleeping on Earth. Why? I don't think I don't know. I don't know, and I'm pretty sure Marvel really didn't explain it, and it doesn't matter. So he saw it as like a as blasphemy due to the fact that the Dreaming Celestial was cast out, and he and then uh, Ajax brainwashed Gilgamesh to kill Makari temporarily, because again they die, they come back. Mm-hmm. It's more of just like a, a middle finger to you in Eternal, basically. Yeah. So yeah. to me, Ajax was really like he he got real butthurt. Yes, he was also the. To me, my understanding of Ajax is he's really, really loyal to the Celestials and their, quote unquote, infinite wisdom. Yeah. But he's taking it to the extreme. It literally, yeah. it, it's like he's. Um, he's a slave to the Celestials. 
Yeah, he's he's like he. I would say he worships them. Yeah, like they are space gods. They can't be wrong. It's like no, they can. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not really gonna get into that. And then, I'm sorry, you're gonna fight your own people, dude. There's not many of you left. Yeah, exactly. Y'all, you, the rest of them said fuck it and left Earth. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like, and then you know to move on from Ajax, one person who was mistaken for another mythological hero we're gonna move on to another guy who is very the name is from a very famous mesopotamian story if you know your mesopotamia this is gonna sound familiar this is of course gilgamesh who is portrayed by don lee in the movie and you saw him in the trailer poor gilgamesh dude he is uh he is probably i think it's fair to say that he is my favorite eternal he takes a back seat he doesn't have a lot of like huge narrative arcs but he has really good development and he goes through a lot of shit being the fact that he is also like grossly slept on. He's easily one of the most powerful Eternals and it's not talked about because he's just like, you know, he's, he's a proud and he's a brave warrior, but at the same time, he's not like always seeking it. You know, he's not, he's not as melancholy as uh, Festos who we're going to talk about at the end of the episode, but you know, he's just kind of there. He's just kind of around. He's very noble. And I'll talk about that in just a second for like how he became an eternal, right? Like sort of his big rise to power. But before we do that, let's talk about his powers. He has energy manipulation as most of them do coming when heat blasts, molecular rearrangement. Um, He also has flight, a healing factor. And as I said before, Gilgamesh is stated as one of the most powerful eternals and his powers are more developed than most of the Eternals on his team, in addition to supposedly being gifted by some form of awareness by the Dreaming Celestial. So we know for a fact that he has this quote-unquote awareness. We don't really know what it is. That's the thing. He's sort of, he's gifted with it. He's It's given to him on one of his arcs, um, and it's mentioned very, very briefly, and we don't ever really figure out its crazy pros or cons we just know that he has it you know whether or not he's like showing its ability we don't really know because we don't know pretty much anything about it but that's also kind of why he's one of my favorites he's just like a noble monster slayer that the celestial was like i like you here you go like have this have this cupcake and so (laughs) in ancient times gilgamesh roamed the world overthrowing tyrants and slaying beasts because he could and he was totally unaware that he was an eternal during this he ended up taking over Atlas's burden. Yes, that Atlas, the guy who held the world up on his shoulder. He's befriended Achilles. He's fought for the Romans. And he's aided in translating the Rosetta Stone. Your boy hasn't been around a lot, but where he was, he made an impact, goddammit. And that's why he's one of my favorites. Eventually, he ends up learning about his heritage, being an Eternal, and is banished by Zurus due to his frequent involvement in human affairs, which is ironic, and is dubbed, quote-unquote, the Forgotten One, and is shunned for centuries, and I believe imprisoned at the base of Mount Olympia. He is then released by Sprite, there we go, lovely meddling Sprite, to stop the Deviants from detonating a bomb meant to kill the Celestials, and he actually ends up succeeding in this. He destroys the Deviants, as well as moving the bomb before it exploded, and he is dubbed a hero. Um, It's also worth mentioning that while he is reborn, even when he's reborn, the bomb is so powerful that he's blind for a time and has to work back to come back to his senses. Um, He's also worked with the Avengers. After that, helping to save Franklin Richards, the reality warper, the actual reality warper, not like Sprite, um, who is the son of Reed and Sue from the Fantastic Four. But he was later kidnapped and killed by Immortus. Ajax 
was able to then remind him of himself after his resurrection and memory loss due to, once again, Sprite messing around with time and reality. But the images that Ajax showed Gilgamesh displayed him being locked away in Olympia, and he returned and nearly killed Makari, but was reminded of his true form by Thena. So Thena steps in, you know, pulls a Lion King, tells him to remember who he is, and he stops what he's doing immediately. Um, he then, after a while, kind of like has a little hiatus and crashes on Hercules's couch for a time until he's suspected of murdering Eternals. So when everyone is reborn and Eternals start dying off, it was actually Thanos who was murdering the Eternals. Gilgamesh is suspected to be the actual one. We've also known that Thena was suspected, but she proved her innocence. And the same thing happened with Gilgamesh. He was able to actually prove his innocence through his knowledge. Whether it was from the awareness of the Dreaming Celestial, we don't totally know because we don't know much about it. However, he knows who was the actual traitor. He proved his innocence by bringing evidence about the resurrection machines against Fastos. Right? So that's another Eternal. So we learn through his arc that Festos is the traitor and that he somehow tempered with the resurrection machines, right? And then in a trap laid by Festos and Thanos, they're all teleported to different parts of the world and Gilgamesh and the Eternals were told why Festos did what he did. And the reason why he messed with the resurrection machine, the reason why he betrayed the Eternals was because that every time an Eternal dies, they are reborn at the cost of human lives. So that's what the resurrection machines do. In order to bring the Eternals back to life, they have to kill off a certain percentage of the human population. So there you go. I mean, uh, listen, I'm not saying Festus is, I'm not saying he's right, but it's still a pretty stupid reason. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's he's out of line, but he's got a point. To quote, I mean, uh, then uh, figure uh, out the change the freaking machine so it doesn't do that. Exactly, Festus, you're the, you're, you're the you're the brilliant inventor that we're gonna talk about. Why couldn't you maybe? Oh, I don't know, find a different solution. Hmm. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Gilgamesh is my favorite. He's so cool. He's so badass. You know, he was dubbed the Forgotten One when he was imprisoned at the base of Mount Olympia. And for the first, like, couple hundred years of his life, he just went around, like, killing disgusting kings and beasts that were just, like, wreaking havoc for no apparent reason. It was just, like, because that's what heroes do. Like, your boy, he's awesome. I love Gilgamesh. He's great. I hope we get to see good representation of him in the movie. Otherwise, I'm going to be a little sad. I mean, I would... The fact that we're getting representation, period, of these yeah, guys is impressive to me. That's fair. So another celestial, I mean, celestial. Oh my God! See, this is how this is how connected I mean, they are that I keep getting confused. You might as well be, you know. I uh, yeah. So an eternal that we're gonna talk about is Kingo Sunin, who is, to my knowledge, the only the only eternal with a last name. Yeah, that's true. We we don't get a whole lot of that, and he's betrayed by uh, Kumail. Nanjiani in the Eternals movie, who is also another actor that I love very, very much and is fucking hilarious. See, he, he I know because I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's had, a, he's had a lot of stuff lately, especially The Big Sick. It, like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to plug that real quick. If you guys haven't seen The Big Sick, go check that movie out. Heartbreaking, but hilarious. Oh, boy. That's, that's, your, that's your one plug for the day, Chris. That's my plug for that. There you go. <laughs> so Kingo's power, powers is... Consistent with all the other Eternals, you know, flight, molecular manipulation, energy projection, blah. Big difference, he prefers to use a sword, like a samurai. Um, why? Well, I don't really know. I think he just liked hanging out with them. So, Kingo learned that his fellow Eternal Druig, uh, if they don't say his name like that, I might be really upset. You know, Druig was marching with the Mongolian army, and he feared 
that he was controlling their minds. Uh, probably rightfully so, if you think about it. It's like, we have powers, they don't. The heck are you doing? Yeah. But when Drew, Drew was confronted, he claimed it was not true, but told Kingo that the best way to to stop them is to assassinate their general. And Kingo, you know, went to the went to the general's tent, but he did not kill the general as he feared he would become like Druig. Because they're supposed to, in a way, protect humanity, truly not get heavily involved. Taking out the Mongol people, like the the general of the Mongol army, pretty pretty getting involved right there, honestly. Oh, yeah. So Kingo learned the ways of the samurai. He made a name for himself as a Japanese movie star who played them exclusively. First off, that's hilarious to think after all these years, after all these centuries, humanity invents movies. I want a piece of that pie. Yeah. So funny. And I think we're actually, we're getting, it's a little bit of a, a culture swap with um, Kumail's representation within the movie. Cause I believe he's supposed to be a Bollywood star, um, not a Japanese movie star, which I mean, it's fine. Yeah. No problem with that. I think it's just kind of cool that they like changed it for the times. And yeah. A little bit of a swap there. I, which I wish I, I appreciate that maybe you know a bit more representation yeah. um, which is never a bad thing um, and and like like we've said the, especially with a perfect example with Ajax and one other person we're going to talk about later you can change anything between the movies and the comics like, fine yeah. they're they're immor- they're they're hubbo immortus they're mm-hmm. literally immortal being who says they can't on their next re you know re um return they program the the revival machine to to change something. Who cares? Yeah. Kingo battled uh, Thanos in an inve- in the investigation into who was the traitor in the Eternals ranks, and he when he went toe to toe with Thanos, which you know that's nothing to sneeze at, you know, especially because Thanos being an Eternal himself, but also being a deviant because even though he was born to two. Okay. Okay. Summarizing that real quick, Thanos is the mutant of his people. He's he's a mutant of his people. He was born. He's an his DNA would tell you eternal, but he's got a little bit of deviant in his gene that was activated because the experiments between all three parts weren't that weren't were still in a way somehow connected. So mm-hmm. you give humanity the ability to to mute you know to mutate later down the line. Eternals, you didn't you know you're trying to make it perfect perfect they're perfect right from the get go. Somebody made a miscalculation and you got Thanos because he mutated from a normal eternal, which is fine, but. And he's got so many powers, so to go against him is still damn impressive. And this is obviously Thanos without the gauntlet. Yeah, but this is still Thanos, and your boy Kingo has a sword. So there you go. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, Thanos has Thanos has cosmic manipulation and some little bit of magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the comics. As far as the yeah, MCU the representation, he's just, like, crazy durable. Yeah, which, I mean, like I said, that's... They moved to Titan. Who says down the line they they slowly lost their cosmic abilities? But again, nothing to sneeze at. And of course, you know I don't I don't know how I hope they portray this next guy good because, to my knowledge, he's he's the black sheep of the group. Oh yeah, but um honestly, I feel pretty good about the actor that they picked because he does a very good subtle bad guy. Um, I am of course talking about Druig who is going to be, uh, Druig is played, or excuse me, Barry Keoghan. I'm I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. His last name is spelled K-E-O-G-H-A-N, Keoghan, Keoghan, um, is playing Druig. Um, And if you've seen The Green Knight, it's a relatively new release, he plays a pretty good bad guy in that. But Druig is, yeah, 
very much a black sheep. His powers include telepathy, telekinesis, energy projection, flight, illusions as well, and matter transmutation. So he's very much up there with Cersei. It's 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 kind of debated who's more talented in this sort of illusion aspect within the Eternals, whether it's Cersei or Druig. Um, Cersei definitely has that big sort of ace up her sleeve of impersonating Makari in order to keep the Dreaming Celestial in a good state. Um, but Druig is also nothing to sneeze at as well, because not only is he known as Druig, he's known as the Lord of Flames and Nightmares, um, which, holy crap, I mean, even if you're an Eternal, getting a name like that, you got to cause some pretty serious havoc. So he's a power-hungry cousin to Icarus due to Icarus's adoption. And in modern times, he actually ends up serving as an agent for the KGB, for the Russians, where he discovers that he really likes torturing people. Um, and at one point, Icarus has to kill him after he attempts Which, to murder a celestial. Yeah, I think when you when you freaking find out that you're really like, um, you know, torturing somebody, that's a giant red flag. Yeah, that that's a red banner. That's like yeah. a, that that's a full on like red UN summit right there. Yeah, like, there I, <laughs> I don't it's know. Funny. How much, like, yeah, you might you be really, thinking like, really why? Get more evil. Yeah, no, nothing. You can't get more evil than that. Like, why was Druig in Russia? That's because he's from uh, Polaria, which is a city of that the, that some Eternals lived in that's located in Siberia, in Russia. Because so, those that stayed on Earth, they didn't just, like, all stay in Olympia. A lot of them did, but they still had other cities yeah. hidden throughout the world. Yeah, and sort of Polaria was Druig's. And after Sprite's whole reality mess that we're going to talk about next, I know we've been plattering on about that for a bit, but we're talking about Sprite next, so just hang in there. Uh, Druig becomes a prime minister of, I, I know I'm probably going to say this wrong, but this is Vorzhekina, which is a Vorzhekina, something like that. It is it is a Russian city um, where he ends up throwing a party planned with a hostage situation. That was probably Druig just now. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> with a hostage situation to take the country's top scientists and sort of force them to do his being his bidding until he is betrayed and murdered by somebody who's working with him. Uh, Cersei and Makari were also actually at the party and the stress of the situation awakens their powers, um, including Druig's. So Cersei and Makari, once again, this is after Sprite's whole deal. Makari and Cersei just happen to be there as well as Druig. Druig ends up getting killed, but he still has this sort of like awakening. They start to realize who they are and remember who they are due to what's happening within the situation and the violence. Makari and Cersei, I believe, actually have a little hand in like uh, turning it the right way up. So Druig then, excuse me, takes control of Boris Hekinya by dragging the important <laughs> leaders in front of him and force an example of one of those leaders by making him murder himself in front of the rest of them. Druig also learns that he can brainwash people to this point to do his bidding and starts to make himself an army. And then Icarus learns about this and he attacks his town and they both actually end up allying to fight against the Horde, which is a threat from space that threatens all of Earth. So Icarus goes to stop Druig, messes up a big portion of the town, but then the Horde arrives and they have to sort of join together. And he was also a big suspect for coming under scrutiny when a traitor was suspected within the Eternals. But, however, when Thanos attacked him of his own volition, it was discovered that he was actually not behind it, though he was kind of the most lead suspect. You know, out of everybody that they have in there, they were like, 
you know, Druig is definitely the most sus. He makes the most sense to do some shit like this. But it wasn't him. It wasn't him. So, yeah, Druig's, Druig's a real bastard. He's a real piece of shit. He's not a he's, cool dude. Yeah, he, he sucks. He sucks. He's not great at all. So uh, I, I, it, it'll be nice to start to see the the seeds of a bad guy arc being sowed in this first movie, perhaps. Um, or to just sort of like allude to his grossness as a character. So I think that could be cool. Yeah, I think and I think and this is I, I would like to see this again. You read it. You, if you read about Drew in the comics, a lot of times you're like, oh, bad guy, him. I want yeah. them to do that in the movie. It's like you're betraying us. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then you find out he didn't. It's like, yeah, duh. Yeah. Or it nice looks like he through. is. And then he goes, surprise. Yeah. Takes off. Or like takes or, you know, oh, I'm working with the bad guys. Surprise. Attack the bad guys. Yeah. Which I'll be fine with that. The yeah, double we cross. talk about. Yeah, the double. That's what I was looking for. Couldn't figure it out. Double cross. So now we're, we keep talking about Sprite's stupid plan. We're not going to talk about Sprite. So Sprite's powers. Ugh. Roughly the, everything that all the other Celestials have. Celestials. Again, the Eternals. I got I to gotta cut out every time I've said Celestial instead of Eternal. <laughs> I think we should just keep a count going. Oh, also, it, and uh, Sprite is portrayed by Leah McHugh in the movie. Thank you. So Sprite, the only the, – what differentiates sprite from the other eternals is their illusions and considered like the most skill of the illusions because they're nearly indistinguishable from even like an eternal standpoint like cersei could make an illusion that works so well against against i want to say i don't know dr strange who's a master of the mystic arts but i but to my knowledge sprite would be like franklin richards who is a reality warper would maybe have a difficult time distinguishing if Sprite made an illusion or literally that's really what's there. Right. You got Cersei and you got Druig who are kind of like an even plane. And then you got Sprite who's just in a different level. Yep. Sprite is also forever stuck in an 11 year old uh, aged body. Why? Nobody really explains why, but so Sprite is a prankster. Think of like Sprite is to my knowledge, Sprite is like the Loki to the Eternals, right? Sprite is the prankster, is mischief maker. Everybody obviously has their own personality, but I feel like when it comes to fighting deviants, they like they stop. It's like, okay, you're the you're the goofball. Cool. There's a deviant. I'm no longer being silly. I am now taking this seriously. But Sprite, bringing the prankster, has actually inspired. You know, their presence has inspired such characters as Puck from Shakespeare and even Peter Pan. And Sprite had warped all the Eternals' minds by tapping into the Dreaming Celestial's power in order to grow up and uh, formed a new show all about him as a child actor in this new world. And, you know, when his plan was discovered that he warped all the Eternals and then making them think they were human, Zuras killed Sprite. I mean, that's pretty, that's yeah, pretty I mean, extreme the, sentencing. Yeah, the thing is, it's just like... If you keep in mind the fact that Sprite is, like, thousands of years old, it's like, I guess it makes it better. But this is still a panel of a grown man just, like, straight up killing a child. Yeah. Um, but, so, on a surface yeah. level, that's what it looks like, and you're like, what the heck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if but anybody then, but, was sort of sitting next to you on the train and they see that, you're, you're going to get some serious judgment, for sure. Or they'll just judge the book, like, what the fuck? But, yeah, no. they've they're, they're, Sprite is just as old as most of if not the other if not all the other eternals mm-hmm. but they forever look like a child so when the sprite was resurrected 
they're in the body of a young woman with no memory of their past crime. And they also fought against Thanos with the other Eternals, which to me, and this, this is what's weird to me, because the resurrection machine, you would think they keep the memories of before they died. Why did Sprite not? You know, Sprite woke up without memories of the crime. Somebody had to have literally one of the other, because they also the Eternals are resurrected in order of who died from first to last. So the first person to die, first person to wake up. So that tells me whoever died first, woke up, went over to Sprite, reprogrammed their mind. Yeah. Which makes the weird. most sense. Makes the most sense, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Sprite, um, the battle with Thanos, I think it's like, a, it's a battle between Icarus, Sprite, and Thanos at first, and then it, like, increases in scope to the rest of the Eternals. But Sprite actually, and kind of saves Icarus's life in that battle. They end up creating an illusion that was so convincing for Thanos that he attacks it, and um, then the, uh, they, the both of them are able to actually escape, which is kind of interesting. So... Yeah, it's a nice little, nice little, uh, nice little plot point there. But that's pretty much the only time Sprite does anything right. So without further ado, let's keep chugging right along. We are just about done. We're moving on to Makari, who is going to be portrayed by Lauren Ridloff in the movie. And Makari is kind of an interesting character. So his powers in the comic include psionics, but they are used mainly for machines due to his love of creating. Uh, but he also has flight, teleportation, and cosmic energy mani- manipulation. So he kind of has like sort of a magic sort of touch when it comes to machines. Not as much as the character we're going to talk about next, but he does have that, and he uses it mainly for that purpose. Um, he was heavily involved in human's history, from the Trojan War to Vlad the Impaler and even the Alamo. So we have another really well-traveled Eternal. Um, he's fought Crow, described as the Greek god Pluto in World War II and used one of his other powers, Speed, to help stop the fighting, and later tracked down Crow and after the war and defeated him for a time being under the superhero guy's hurricane. So that's also kind of significant. Makari is one of the few people that went toe-to-toe with just Crow, one-on-one, and was able to take him out for a little while. Um, he also used this guise to reveal corrupt business in the 1940s. That was kind of his claim to fame. Uh, Makari also stayed behind on Earth with Icarus and worked with the West Coast Avengers when all the other Eternals left Earth. Um, He then spent some time in deep meditation, trying to improve his speed by removing all of his other powers and participated in a cosmic race and came in second after a runner named Buried Allen showed up at the last minute and beat him. So that is a different version of Barry Allen. That is a lesser known version of him that Zach and I actually talked about after we did the Flash episode. I was like... We talked about The Flash, and I just found this crazy character. He only pops up in, like, three or four comics. But this is one of the ones where he shows up, and he's meant to be, like, one of the most – one of the fastest speedsters. Uh, but he shows up and beats Makari. Um, Makari does eventually end up coming back and winning the race. Um, it's funny, Chris, because I'm pretty sure his name – I understand oh, yeah. his name in Marvel was – at the time, it was Buried Alien, which is stupid. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But I think it was adopted to Buried Allen. A buried, buried alien in reference to, but whatever it doesn't matter. It basically it was a Marvel being silly and making fun of uh, Barry Allen, mm-hmm. which have which actually was the which is I think he appeared roughly after Barry Allen's death in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is just really funny to me. Oh yeah, no, it's an, it's a nice little callback too to also join the universes together that bridge DC and Marvel. But yeah, after sort of working on just his speed, uh, he is. 
turned into a medical student when Sprite has that whole dreaming celestial tap in um, until he is reawakened by the dreaming eternal who ends up making him his prophet. And then we have that whole thing with Cersei that we mentioned before. Um, and that's pretty much all of Makari. You know, Makari's kind of kind of an interesting character, known mostly for his like speed power. Um, he's a little bit more gentle, um, not really at the forefront or anything like that but he's also a little bit more independent as well in the comics so it'll be interesting to see um how she now is portrayed in the movies i'm 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 interested to see that character yeah i'm see i'm i'm interested in a lot of these characters my only worry is we're gonna talk about more about this probably in our mini so there's there's already a lot <laughs> oh yeah there is <laughs> you a lot. think about it there's a lot a lot a lot yeah when i looked at the roster when they first announced it i was like oh they're doing they're doing like most of the Eternals, okay. This they're doing some of the big names. Yeah, they're doing a lot of the big name ones. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I think I think what's probably going to happen is they're just going to be there. They're not not everybody's really going to have too much time to shine, but they're going to have to like in a way double down of like, okay, so what would normally be in a normal movie, a small group, uh, this would be their moment to you know make themselves an individual. You're gonna have to do that. You have to double down and do that for like two characters at the same time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it was, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see them sort of like flow throughout the Marvel Universe, too, a little bit more. Like if we got character development that way by them having like guest spots and other Marvel movies that like made sense at the very least. I think that could be cool. Yeah, that that would be pretty good. And now so to move on to the last Eternal, uh, it's Fastos. Oh, that son of a bitch. He's portrayed by Brian Tyree Henry. For those of you who have watched Atlanta, he plays Paperboy. Great series, by the way. Yeah, I listen. If he he might be the bad guy, who knows? They might not make him the bad guy in the movie. I'd be fine with you. Don't need to make it one to one, but have it be inspired by the comics, really. Yeah. Which is what they're doing. A lot of these movies are inspired by events in the comics, but also they're not one to ones. Mm-hmm. So Fastos has cosmic energy manipulation, flight, psionics, teleportation, immortality. But he's also so Fastos is a genius level intellect inventor a technologist who possesses many weapons of his own creation it's even more ambivalent towards fighting and prefers to create so he's basically more of a pacifist than the rest of the celestials yeah he's the, he's the oh there it is count number four he's Damn basically <laughs> eternals i'm gonna keep i'm gonna just keep calling you on that because i can't and it's ah, but again he's, it's so freaking they're so entwined it's it's very difficult no i i feel you I feel you. But um, no, he's very much like the Benvolio of the group. Um, yeah, he's very melancholy, that prefers to like sit and create stuff with his toys versus participate in battles. Yeah. I mean, it, what's funny is that I think, you know, what? Uh, unlike the other Eternals, uh, that um, <laughs> you know, they went around the world, they, they fought. They, Fastos just kind of, he was really searching for meaning in life, which... If you think about it, for an for an immortal being, that makes sense. Of after yeah. after years and years and years of living, to hell's my purpose, you know. And um, he he would probably. I mean, I hope I don't know if he knows the true purpose of, of the Eternals now is to basically be freaking babysitters for the Earth. But um, that would suck. But uh, <laughs> but that's kind of why he stayed on Earth while a bunch of the other Eternals left. Mm -hmm. So during the whole Sprite incident, 
which which to me that just sounds like a problem with the with the soda drink. <laughs> this is a bad marketing campaign. There you go. Yeah, Fastos <laughs> was working as an automotive engineer in Germany, and he he was forcefully reawakened due to the fact that he turned away from it willingly at first. So you know, uh, tells me the other Eternals showed up. They went to they wanted to make you know make him remember who he really is, and he's like no. I don't really want to. And then they're like, yeah, you know, you don't got a choice. There you go. So after learning of the true purpose, Fastos was the first to be resurrected and decided to learn more about the machines with his extra time and discovered the Eternals were... Yeah, so this is, again, where we found out that through the ending of human lives, they were being resurrected. Which, again, Fastos, buddy, just figure out how to fucking change the machine i don't know every time an eternal dies you brought back by cosmic space dust i fucking <laughs> lots and lots of carbon i yeah a freaking you listen we got an asteroid belt take a bunch of asteroids from there done yeah right i mean just don't die a bunch of them that way we won't it won't because that's just me i'm thinking about it we got a lot of asteroids in there just fucking take a couple of those <laughs> rocks no one's gonna miss them <laughs> i was gonna miss you this one need to... rock in particular <laughs> You're right. You you didn't need to portray your whole people. Yeah. 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 Kind of kind of a dick move for sure. Uh, I would say a misguided move, honestly. That's fair. And I would say you know based on that he had extra time you know while he was waiting for the rest of his people to be um, brought back. So however long that was, don't we don't know, but enough that it kind of drove him a little nuts, and he couldn't and he he couldn't figure out. Any other solution than the one he came up with? Yeah. Which yeah, again, that, is that's stupid. where he ends up blackmailing Thanos into helping him and all that other stuff. But I mean, yeah, sorry. I, I guess misguided black- move. Yeah, which misguided move, and also you're gonna blackmail Thanos. Who? Yeah. With, with with what? Pictures of of death being all sexy and shit. I'm pretty sure Deadpool's <laughs> got a bunch of those. That's true. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I think I think he blackmails blackmail him through it's, it's it's some sort of like physical force. Due to the fact that uh, Thanos is like technically a deviant, and so therefore Fastos has like the edge on him. I believe it's something like that. Not a um, not a fucking surprise, my guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't tell. Come on. Yeah. But um, that sort of leaves the end of the Eternals team, um, and I think that will leave us with only one other quick character to talk about, which is Arishem the Judge. And Arishem the Judge is the celestial that we see the confirmed celestial that we know we see in the trailer that's the big uh the big red head that you see in the trailer if you're paying attention to it and once again as zach mentioned the judge is sort of he's there um he's a leader of all of the four celestials um or their hosts on earth he's responsible for um stopping the deviants as well as sort of like judging the grand experiment of earth um and he has the right to choose which planet shall live and which shall die right um, as I said, he's the most powerful of the celestial hosts, except for the dreaming celestial, right? That's the one exception. And he's a celestial. So he has armor that can withstand planet shattering strikes um, and has a cosmic control with no known limit. So there you go. He's he's we got the God right there. Yeah. Um, what's more about the celestials? They're like, OK, they're like Thanos. I'm sorry, not Thanos. Jeez. Galactus, as in they don't have a true physical form. Mm-hmm. So the armor that they wear, you know, holds their more energy, their energy 
be their energy being so it houses their energy form mm. um which what's interesting is actually if you go to read uh, any of the avengers comics right now their home base is avengers mountain which is the body of a celestial but it's funny to me to think about that because um he is the freaking first off they have rooms in this thing okay and it's huge right the 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 a celestial is just really freaking big and also can um i mean they can change their size but it's really funny to me that they beat a celestial and now it's and now it's their uh their home base but they they also they have they when they show up as like hosts it's like different groups and they kind of come back on their experiment every however many years they decide to come back and it's like a different group analyzing the test you know, like the test and sometimes the celestials change of who shows up depending on what needs to happen. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, if like if an experiment is being tested, they come back. Certain of them come back. If if it's like okay, it failed, cool. Send those guys. They're gonna wipe the planet clean. Yeah, there you go. That's a good explanation. Yeah, that they're, makes sense. they're stupid power. They're so stupid powerful. And this is for the comics. I don't think they get into this with the with the MCU. They've existed since the first universe, which. Yeah, which then broke off and became the multiverse, and then you—that's where you get eternity. That's getting cosmic level crap, and I know we spoke about that in our chill episode. Yeah, but um, they—they uh, they are multiversal beings, but they tend to just stick. But they, okay, they're multiversal beings, but they tend to stick to their own universes. But every every universe has the exact same uh, celestials. Some might have more, some might have less, depending on what's going on in that universe. But from the beginning of the multiverse, the Celestials just copied themselves and, and sent all the copies into the multiverse. Yeah. Which is insane to think of that they can do that. It's nuts. Yeah, they are all-powerful. You know, they're not – I mean, they're very powerful. All-powerful is pretty close to where they're at. Yeah. But I, I, it's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. Arishem's cool. We also have uh, – there's another Celestial that you see in the trailer – I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the mini-sode because it's not really confirmed who that would be. Um, so stick around for that. But other than that, that pretty much runs down everybody that we're going to see in the movie. Once again, there's a ton of Eternals. This episode in itself was already pretty long just talking about who we're going to see in the movie. So for all I know, we're going to have more added on. We're going to have some taken away. You know, We didn't even talk about Zeros, who is a huge character in the comics. For all we know, he's going to be introduced in the movie. There's tons of Eternals to talk about, and this is just a quick little foray into what they are, who they are, what they're like, and what we might be seeing in the movie. Um, so I want to thank all of you for coming on us with this wonderful cosmic and eternal journey. Um, <laughs> and then, and- <laughs> yeah, while we would do recommendations, honestly, the Eternals show up in a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I would, me personally, I would say read literally anything titled Eternals. I yeah. mean, that just goes without saying. Um, as far as Arishem, you're not going to, like, find any one-offs for him. He's a celestial, so he pops up with the Eternals, but that's pretty much it. Or he pops up somewhere else, like yeah. during, like in the uh, Avengers uh, Jason Aaron run. But, mm-hmm. again, we're not at this point, we're not really going to get into all their individual appearances. Yeah. Because, But if you really want to see the Eternals literally read any of the eternal volumes yep. read the current one i would say read the one that's coming out right now true yeah that is a good one 
Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna find lots to enjoy in that, and you got some really good art in there too. So Eternals Volume One through Five. Um, you're also gonna find them in uh, find a couple of them in Thor: The Deviant Saga as well. Um, they pop up in X Men every now and then. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. They're also in a lot of older comics too that are probably best to find in like PDF. We're talking like Avengers Volume One and things of that nature. But you're gonna get the most rich story um, from the Eternals from their one-off um, volumes, or not from their one-off, from their volumes that are specifically about them. That's where you're gonna get the most information on them and the most sort of narrative arc from them. So there yep. you go. But thank you to all of you for the cosmic journey that you have come with us on, as I've said before. And um, we will continue talking about the Eternals in the mini-sode and join us next time as we talk about something maybe a little bit more down-to-earth.